So we are in uh, the book of Colossians. We're going back to the book of Colossians. We had a guest speaker last week. And uh, we're continuing in Colossians chapter 1. If you're just joining us or if you're new to the church, uh, we're endeavoring to go through the entire uh, book of Colossians, verse by verse, section by section. And uh, right now we're in chapter 1, starting at verse number 19. Um, So, two weeks ago we started a three-part series uh, on this section of Colossians. The three-part series is is pertaining to the preeminence of Christ, meaning the superiority, the greatness, the distinction, the excellence, the peerlessness of Jesus. And it all points to his deity, the deity of the Lord Jesus. So let me, uh, let me read verses 19 to 23, and then we'll pray and we'll get into this. It pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Father, thank you for your word, O God. We pray, Lord, that today we'll set the record straight as to who Jesus Christ really is. We welcome your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts to illumine the truth of your word on a personal level. Father, I know everyone came in here today, everyone on live stream is in need of a a touch, a word from you. And so we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would speak to your people by the preaching and proclamation of your word today. Lord, anoint my lips and my mind to bring forth the word the way you want. May it be heard and received and applied the way you want as well. We thank you for it. Look forward to what you're going to do with it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the preeminence of Christ, today we're talking about the preeminence of Christ uh, in redemption. Now if you were with us two weeks ago, verses 15 to 18, we talked about the preeminence of Christ in creation. And we talked about how Jesus created and God created, meaning Jesus is God. And today we're talking about the uh, preeminence of Christ in redemption. Jesus saves us. God saves us. So Jesus is God. Next week, Lord willing, we'll be in 24 to 29. uh, The preeminence of Christ in the church, meaning Jesus is the head of the church. Well, God is the head of the church. So Jesus is God. And and as I was preparing, I was thinking, you wouldn't think that this would be an issue. But you know what? It is an issue. The deity of Christ is central, a central theme in the Bible. It's an orthodox truth of all Christian churches, whether Catholic or Protestant or Orthodox. However, just yesterday, 
um, I, I heard a song. Someone sent me a song from a great worship team. And I, and I saw it on YouTube, and, and they were wonderful. And I found out they were from the UPCI, which is the United, uh, the United Pentecostal Church International. And as I got into what they believe and what they're all about, I realized they're what you would call a oneness church. They believe in Jesus only, baptizing in the name of Jesus only. They, they believe that you have to speak in tongues to be saved. They deny the Trinity. They deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And plus, I could name other national figures that you would probably be aware of in America that do the same thing in some form or another. And it makes me pause and ask the question, can someone still be saved if they're believing in a Jesus who's not God in the flesh? And I realize that's a big question. Can someone be saved if they believe in what, what we would call a different gospel? Or is our gospel exclusive? I believe that our gospel is actually exclusive. When Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 1 and chapter 3, he said, I'm so surprised, oh foolish Galatians. Who, who deceived you? Who bewitched you? I like the word bewitched. Like who put a, like a spell, who put a, a spiritual hex on you to believe a different gospel than the one that we preach to you? And so I, I come today with, with a little concern about the body of Christ because I see it across our land. There are people who say they're Christians and sing the same songs we sing, use the same Bible that we use and and, 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 and unfortunately, they follow unorthodox teachings of the Word of God. I, I think it's, it's something to consider here, too. That, and I don't, this is just my observation, so this is me speaking. But it's my observation that a lot of, like, new generation Christians are not so concerned about doctrine. Just give me excitement, give me a move of God, give me people falling out or whatever, and I'm happy. And if that's not happening where I go to church, I'm going to go to some other church. But I, I just have to tell you, and it's with a little fear and trepidation before the Lord, but people were saying to Jesus, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We heal people in your name. We do things in your name. And Jesus said, hey, you may have done things, but I never knew you. And I'm afraid to say, across the board, there are things happening in Christendom that are not from the Lord Jesus. But then, if that's true, you have to ask the question, where, where is that healing coming from? It's not coming from people. It's coming from a spiritual force that's not of God. And there's power in that, too. It's the wrong power. So when I get, we get into Colossians chapter 1, starting really two weeks ago, verse 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Verse 19, it pleased the Father in Jesus, all the fullness dwells in him. 2.9, in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. To me, it's very clear and obvious who Jesus is. I just heard a teaching last week. Someone said when Jesus was on the earth, he, he left all his divinity at, home, at, at, at heaven, and he did things as a man on earth. Well, he was fully man, but he was also fully God. That's the mystery of our faith. You, you can't take one without the other. 
It's the incarnate God that came in the flesh. So we're going to go over this verse by verse and try to get to the truth of the Word of God. Are you glad you came to church today? I said it earlier. Paul wrote to Timothy, the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. I want the truth, don't you? I want the truth. If Jesus isn't God, I want to know that he's not God. But if he is God, I want to know what the Word of God says about that. I remember hearing the truth for the first time when my dear friend told me, Rick, you got to get right with Jesus. That was the truth right there. And he explained who Jesus was to me, to Pamela. So let's go, let's go through this verse by verse. Then we'll have some, some uh, response to, to the fact of the preeminence of Christ in redemption. But verse number 19 is just a wonderful verse. It should bring joy to our heart. It says, it pleased the Father that in Jesus, in him, all the fullness should dwell. It should please us. It should be good for us to hear that between the Father and the Son, there's no competition. There's no jostling for position. There's no angst between the two. The Trinity always, always works together as one. One God, three distinct persons in God, in unity and cooperation with one another. Listen to these the scriptures. You may want to jot these down. I don't have them on the screen. If you want them later, let me know. But 1 Peter 1, 2 says this, that we're pilgrims. We're the elect of God according to the knowledge of God the Father. God our Father. The Father is God according to the word of God. 1 Peter 1, 2. In Titus 2.13, we read this. We're looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our great God and Savior. Well, now you have Father and Son that both are being called God. Acts 5, verses 3 and 4. You know the story of Peter interacting with Ananias and Sapphira. And Peter says to Ananias, you lied to the Holy Spirit about his offering. He goes on to say, you didn't lie to men, but you lied to God. Meaning the Holy Spirit is God. Upon further study of this subject, I came across Hebrews chapter 1, when, when God began to speak to the angels, and then God began to speak to the Son. Listen to what the Father said to the Son. In verse number 8, Hebrews 1.8. The Father said to the Son, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The Father recognizes that the Son is God. So there's, a, there's approval and recognition. So in verse number 19, It pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell. I love the story of Jesus. Don't you love the story? The, the, the majesty of Jesus. He was born just like us, but he was born of a virgin, not like any of us. He died just like we're going to die unless we get raptured, but he arose again and he ascended into glory. Paul said in Philippians 2.6, it said, Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but came as a man. So verse 19 It pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell. Looking into that verse, we could see, okay, the plan is initiated through Jesus. What's the plan? 
The plan is to buy humanity back, to pay the price we could never pay. He is the anointed one. I think of, and and really we're getting close to it, believe it or not, but Christmas is just around the corner. Wake up, everyone. Christmas is just around the corner. But how I enjoy our Christmas services. It's always so beautiful in here, reflecting the glory of God. But when Jesus came to earth, the the shepherds were beside themselves. The the glory of the Lord Lord shone all around them. The angels saying, glory to God in the highest. And Jesus came, God came in the flesh and dwelt among us. He is, what does it say in Matthew? He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Amen? Am I making the point clear? We believe in the deity of Jesus. There's no no other way around it. Verse number number, uh, 19 really reflects or or points to John 3.16. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe, etc. So verse 19, it pleased the Father. In Jesus, all the fullness, all the glory, all the majesty would dwell in him. And verse number 20 continues, And that by him, by Jesus, he would reconcile all things to to himself by him. Or the Father would reconcile all things to himself by the Son. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. So by the Son, the Father would reconcile all things. Reconcile meaning make things right. Make things finished. Make things in the right place. Put things in the right perspective. He'll settle all accounts through the Son. But then he says, on earth and in heaven. Can we just kind of delve into this for a minute? On earth, well, I look at verses 16 through 18, and I, I, I read that through Jesus, by Jesus, everything that was made, that was made, was made by Jesus. In heaven and on earth. He created everything. In verse number 20 we see that through Jesus, he's now reconciling everything back to the Father. Everything on earth? Okay. What's on earth? When I look at earth, I see people. Really, don't you? And there's masses of people. 2 Corinthians 5.18, All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.16 The Lord has reconciled both Jew and Gentile by the cross of Jesus Christ. We've been reconciled. People are reconciled through the blood of Jesus. I think about Romans 8.21 where we read, Creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I think about global warming. I think about the weather patterns, and you, you, you have to be aware, a lot of strange things are going on. Could it be that this is the bondage of corruption just crying out? The scripture says in Romans 8 that earth, creation itself is moaning, groaning for redemption from on high. Let me tell you, it's coming. It's coming. The scripture goes on to say there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And right now we're in the process of, of the earth groaning. We see it all around us. And please keep in prayer those in Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic and Haiti. And now we hear that another hurricane's coming up to Florida this week. Just keep that whole situation in prayer. But he says in verse 20, 
the Son will reconcile all things to the Father, whether things on earth or things in heaven. I'm thinking, what, what can he reconcile that's in heaven that's not already reconciled? Well, it could very well be that this is in reference to the Old Testament saints that were waiting in Hades until the blood of the Lamb was shed that they could be released and brought to glory. We know from Ephesians 4 that Jesus, before he ascended, he first descended. He led captivity captive unto himself and brought them to glory. So it could be those Old Testament saints that, that had to be reconciled in the spiritual realm. It could also be the fallen angels. Now before you think fallen angels will be reconciled in a positive way, no, no, no. But that whole thing will be reconciled. Because right now, demonic forces are having a field day with God's church. One day, that will be reconciled. Right? One day, they will be cast away to the lake of fire for all of eternity. Look over in chapter 2, verse 15. This is one of my favorite verses. In the context of Jesus' death and resurrection, having disarmed principalities and powers, that's always reference to uh, demonic dom- uh, domain, um, ha- having made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Don't forget on Good Friday when Jesus died, Matthew 27 says, graves were opened up. And on Easter Sunday, that Sunday, those dead people got out of those graves. We don't know what's going on with all of that, but we know this. When Jesus died and resurrected, you better believe the spiritual realm was shaken to its core. Because you almost could see the picture, Satan thought he had Jesus now. Oh no, he was exposed as a liar, which he is. But something so supernatural happened when Jesus died and descended and then ascended later in the spiritual realm. We don't even have a, a clear picture of what happened. We know something drastic happened. So verse 20. By him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of, this cross, of the cross. But there's something that has to be said about that because I always hoped that because Jesus did what he did, all of humanity would be saved. And it's, it's not like that. He did what he did so that all of humanity could be saved. Mankind has a say in redemption. Mankind could either receive it or reject it. Just because Jesus did it doesn't mean that everyone is saved by it. We are saved by it when we put our faith and trust in the one who did it. And we know that we're then born again. Because we feel it, we sense it in our spirit, in our spiritual man. Romans 5.1 says, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.20 says, Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Yes, he made peace with sinful man and a holy God, but we've got to receive that by faith. That's why we sing these songs, Oh, the precious blood. There's power in the blood. There's healing in the blood. By his stripes, by his blood, we are healed, we're delivered. So verses 19 and 20, we see Jesus as God in the flesh, establishing the means of redemption. 
This is the message of the church. As I said, from Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, this is a central theme of the Word of God. Jesus is God come in the flesh to give his life as a ransom. Now, verse number 21 It gets personal to the Colossians and probably personal to each one of us. But he says in verse 21, and you, and so the Holy Spirit is saying, and you, and we, you know, who are hearing this, uh, who, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. I I wonder if anyone can relate to that. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I heard a great preacher last week or week before. He was preaching about something like this, and he quoted Romans 3.23. He said, I did a lot of research on the word all. And he he built it up, you know. He said, you know what the word all really means? And everyone got really quiet, like, well, what, what does it mean? He said, it means all. <laughs> it means all. All his research led him to the point, all means all. But all have sinned and fall short of the glory. Old Testament, Isaiah 64 says, our righteousness without Christ is like filthy rags before him. So, verse 21, yet now he has reconciled us. By, by Christ, only God could do that. And we'll see in a little bit that he continues to reconcile us to the Father. 1 John 1, 9, if we commit any sin, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of any unrighteousness. Verse 22, he is, uh, he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. See, somebody had to die. Blood had to be shed so that we could live. A price had to be paid to settle the accounts. And now he presents us, and listen, everybody listen to this. If you receive Christ in your life, you are now in his eyes holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. God looks at you not the way we used to be. He looks at us cleansed, right, purged, forgiven, and on the way to full recovery and redemption, in glory one day. Now verse 23 has two of the biggest words in the Bible. One word is a big word. It has two letters in it. If. (laughs) Oh, come on now. You know, on Wednesday night, we've been talking about Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests. And there's some scriptures in that passage in 1 Samuel 3 that make me think that Eli just didn't make it. He didn't continue in the walk with God. His sons, no, they didn't continue. Is this a a comfortable subject to talk about? No, I don't like talking about this, but we have to talk about it. I shared that on Wednesday night. I, I realized as I was preparing on Wednesday night, this is not my favorite subject to talk about. Let me talk about grace and forgiveness. I'm good at that. I'm not so good about the wrath of God, but it is the gospel. So he says, you know, if, if indeed you continue in the faith, continue. 
grounded, steadfast, not moved by life and by problems and things, but focused on on the gospel, our position. That's why in chapter 3, Colossians 3, you may remember the first couple of chapters are about doctrine. The rest of the the, the Colossians is about practical application. But he says in chapter 3, if you were raised with Christ, in other words, you were forgiven, seek those things that are above. Don't seek things in the world. You'll find no satisfaction there. Seek where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. Therefore, put to death your members, etc., etc., etc. So Jesus has done all this for us. And, And it just hinges on one word, if we continue in the faith. Verse 23 has an interesting little verse, a little section. He says, um, uh, you are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Just underline that word or put it in in your mind, the hope of the gospel. I hope that you have the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel is precious to us. Those funerals I, we, were, we were at on this week, there was the hope of the gospel. There was weeping and sorrow, don't get me wrong. But there's that hope of eternal life. And then he says, which was preached to every creature under heaven. Now that, that little phrase uh, seems to have taken some criticism by scholars because in reality it hasn't been preached in that way. But as Paul wrote in chapter 1 uh, of Romans, he, uh, he said, um, man is without excuse since the creation of the world his invisible attributes have been made known to everyone. There's no excuse for someone not to know that God exists. Psalm 19 says the same thing. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Just look at the sky. Look at the creation. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech. In other words, God is proclaiming his existence day after day by the sun coming up and going down and the way things happen. Night unto night reveals knowledge. There's no speech or language where, where their voice is not heard. So Paul is saying this, this message has been preached. It's been proclaimed. So the preeminence of Christ in redemption. I think back of my salvation experience. Pamela, you remember? Man, it was like fireworks went off. It's like Our lives were changed. No wonder why they were changed. God came and saved us and ministered to us and still does. What, 45 years later, he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why why is there this, all this commotion about, about being born again? Because we're born again, that's why. It's a serious, oh, it's a serious spiritual awakening that we have. Well, I want to give you three things to think about. As we conclude this message on the preeminence of Christ in redemption, something to think about. Number one is this. We must honor Jesus as our Lord. 2.9, we said it earlier, but in Jesus was all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I encourage you, recognize Jesus is a great teacher. He's a great man. He's a great healer. And he's not the son of God in the sense that he's less than God. Jesus is Lord. He's God in the flesh. Let me just talk about that for a minute. 
The term Lord, you, you read it in the Bible, various people are referred to as Lord, meaning uh, a teacher or a ruler or a title of respect. But something really serious happened to, of all people, our dear friend Thomas, whom we call Doubting Thomas. When Jesus died and resurrected, he appeared many times, but not to Thomas, not yet. And Thomas said to his friends and to the apostles, I'm not going to believe in him until I put my finger in the nail mark and put my hand in his side. Then I'll believe. So what do you think happened? Jesus made it a point to appear to Thomas. And when Jesus appeared to Thomas, he said, don't be unbelieving, Thomas, but be believing. Put your finger in here. Put your hand in my side. And when Thomas did all of that, he said this phrase that's echoing through the generations and through the centuries of time, my Lord and my God. And from that point on, Jesus was always referred to as Lord, meaning God, the anointed Christ, Christos, Jesus, the anointed one the special one, God that came. And of all people, I love the Lord's humor or whatever, choosing Thomas to say those words, the one who often doubted, my Lord and my God. As I think about that, um, Peter's first message in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, his first sermon, He said, let all Israel know that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. To Cornelius' household, Paul said that this this Jesus is the Lord of all. In Jude chapter 1, verse 4, we read that that, um, Jesus is the only master, the only Lord, Jesus Christ. Revelation 17, 14 says that Jesus is what? The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus himself said in Matthew, all authority has been given to me. So we honor Jesus. He's our friend, yes. He's my friend. But he's more than my friend. I bow down to him. He's my God. He's my provider. He's my deliverer. He always listens to me. He always hears me. He's always with me. He's a soon coming king. Every, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christos, the anointed one, is Lord. You realize what that's going to be like? Every demon in hell is going to bow down to Jesus before they're sentenced for all of eternity. That will be an awesome day. Oh, the angels, the good angels will bow down and worship the Lord and proclaim Jesus is Lord. All the saints of God will raise their voice, Jesus, holy, 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 Jesus Christ is Lord. So I'm saying we know all that. Let's begin to honor Jesus as our Lord now. We'll be that much closer to glory by doing so. And we'll be that much closer to not only making it through this life by the skin of our teeth, but making it through this life in victory because he's with us. He's looking for a people. Second thing is this, the response of Jesus, the preeminence of Christ as our redeemer. Receive him as our personal redeemer. I, I, I don't personally have a problem with this. Maybe some of you do. 
I'm reminded of my sinfulness every single day, for goodness sakes. And I don't like it, but I can't seem to get away from it. (laughs) Everywhere I go, I realize who I am. And sometimes it's not good. But it reminds me I need a redeemer. Even on on our good days, we fall short. Our fallen nature. But there is a plan. There is a plan. Verses 20 and uh, 21. 21. There is a plan of redemption. Let me give you some, some things to think about. The three aspects of redemption or salvation. In Ephesians 2.8, Paul writes, By grace, through faith, you've been saved. We can say, I'm saved. I'm good. I'm good with God. My sins are forgiven. I am a saved person, based on that verse and other verses. But other scriptures say, like in 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul said, You are the fragrance of Christ to those who are being saved. So I hope I'm the fragrance of life to you who are being saved, and I hope that you are a fragrance of life to me who is being saved. I'm saved. I'm being saved. I woke up today saying, Lord, you're saving me today. Hallelujah. I know you saved me in, back in the day, but you saved me to, you're saving me today. We need a redeemer today, every day. We read in Romans, uh, Romans 5.10 that we, we shall be saved from the wrath to come. Oh, we need a redeemer in our past, in our present, and in our future, no doubt about it. There's wrath coming, and we need to be saved from that wrath. Another way to look at this is by saying that we've been cleansed. 1 Corinthians 6.11, one of my favorite passages, Paul writes, you, don't, don't be deceived. You know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he lists a whole bunch of unrighteousness that will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he says, but such were some of you, but you were washed and sanctified and justified in the name of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. All the stuff we did before has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But then we read in 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, right? We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. As though our walk on this earth, we pick up unrighteousness all around us. That's why we need the body of saints. We need the fellowship of the saints. We walk in the truth and the blood of Christ washes us continually of that unrighteousness that we pick up along the way. Ephesians 5.27 says this, that uh, making a comparison between husbands and wives, but he says that Christ loved the church and cleansed it and washed it with the word, that he might, when he comes back, he may come for a church, uh, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. We will be cleansed at that time. So when you receive Christ, I didn't know all this when I received Christ. I had no idea what I was signing up for back in those days. All I knew was I needed to get right with God. That's all I knew. But now I realize when you studied the word of God, oh my goodness, there's so much in here. We need a redeemer yesterday. We need a redeemer today. We will need a redeemer tomorrow when the wrath of God comes upon the earth and the wrath of God is coming upon the earth. What will save us from the wrath of God? Covered by the blood. Having a good relationship with our redeemer. The third part is this, verse number 23. 
our response to the preeminence of Christ in redemption is that we must continue in him. The word continue is used often, especially in the New Testament. Jesus told Peter and Andrew and James and Matthew, he said, follow me. What he meant was, follow me and continue to follow me. Acts 2.42, you know this, that on that day of Pentecost, when 3,000 souls got saved, it says, they all continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking bread and prayers. 1 John 2.28, John writing to the church, he says, little children, continue in Christ so that you will not be ashamed before him when he returns. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul wrote, Continue in that word which I preached to you. And James 1.25 says, Continue looking into the perfect law of liberty, so that you will be, back in Colossians, that you will be grounded and steadfast and not moved by the things of this life. Thus we have such an emphasis on, on this, coming to church, Worshiping with the saints, joining on live stream if you can't make it. Getting involved on, you know, brotherhood. We had a great breakfast. The brothers got together yesterday. Sisterhood with Pamela leading. That's a great time for the sisters to get together. You know, church things, events that are happening. It's so important to be plugged in to continue in the faith. I'm not boasting by any means. But 45 years with the Lord, it's not by my strength we've been with the Lord that long. It's by his strength. But I will say that once we got saved, we got saved. My pastor used to, when I didn't go to church, my pastor would call me, hey, Rick, you coming to church today? Ah. And then Sunday night, well, Sunday, that was, you know, a whole new thing. But I'm glad he did, because we got into the routine. We see the value of the body of Christ. So our response to the preeminence, I mean, look, look at it this way. He did all of that. And we're going to say, oh, I'm too busy? I don't think so. I I got too much going on, Lord. I, I got, you know, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. If he did all of that for us, the least we could do is give him our time, give him our attention. I mean, it's for our own benefit anyway, but how respectful it would be to give him the time that he deserves. So in conclusion, just want to, wrap this up, tie this up. Last time we talked about the preeminence of Christ in creation, which is an amazing study. But this is the preeminence of Christ in redemption. He came as God in the flesh to save us. He and he alone is our redeemer. You know, and I know many times people are looking for a person they're looking for the right situation, the right people, when really our salvation, our redemption comes from Jesus alone. And we must continue in him. Let me read, uh, let's read verses 21 to 23. Can we stand together? Verse 21 says this, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet he now has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith. Let's say it together this time. Everyone. Verse 21. And you 
who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment, please. Our response is really receiving him, cherishing what he did, coming back if we've drifted away, and entrusting our loved ones into his care.
Take us in, oh God. Take us in, oh God, to your presence today. Jesus. 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 Take me past the outer court. Yes, Lord. Come on, let's draw near. the brazen past the brazen altar Lord I want to see your face pass me by the crowd of people and the priests who sing their praise oh I hunger and thirst for your righteousness Jesus. feel that today we just proclaim the word of God. We proclaim the gospel. And Jesus said, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, what, what did he say? Signs and wonders would follow. I, I believe it's in this atmosphere of faith and, and surrender that God moves powerfully. So I'm going to pray for a few things and uh, then we'll conclude the service. I do want to take a minute. Millie Cobbett, happy birthday to you. I want to pray for you. I know your birthday's later this week, isn't it? 
Yes? Let's go to the Lord. Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we come before you today. Lord, we come in the name of the one that made all this possible. It pleased you, Father, that in Jesus all the fullness would dwell so that he could take care of this breach in relationship. So today, Lord, we we welcome you and we renew our commitment to you and we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you know each of our needs. You know our struggles. You know the things that we need right now in our lives. You know our you know our, our, our struggles, our, our conflicts in our spirit over some things. But Lord, we surrender to your lordship today. Take us into that holy place. Lord, take us out of the worldly way and let us live in that holy way. In the name of Jesus. Father, I want to pray for anyone that has a loved one that's not walking with you. We pray for salvation and deliverance in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that we would never be a stumbling block for somebody else to walk with you. Let us be part of the solution and not part of the problem in the name of Jesus. Father, I want to thank you for our dear sister Millie Cobbett that has her birthday this week. Lord, just bless her, this milestone of a birthday. Bless her life. Let her continue to live for you, serve you, do what she can, heal her body of various aches and pains. Let her be well. Thank you, Lord, that you redeemed her many years ago. And she's, she's doing it. She's faithful. So, Lord, as we formally conclude today, may your Holy Spirit continue to move among us in a powerful way in these days. We thank you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're just going to worship for a little bit. If you want to linger, you can do that. If you got to go, there's some fellowship in the cafe room back there. Just be considerate of those at the altar. God bless you.